Welcome to the Paul Bunyan Podcast, sponsored by Farbar. Uh, make sure to check us out on Twitter and Facebook. Twitter, we are at Paul Bunyan Pod. Facebook, I believe you can just look up the Paul Bunyan Podcast. Yep. Um, Paul, the Paul Bunyan Podcast at Twitter at Paul Bunyan Pod. You can always email us at the Paul Bunyan Podcast at gmail.com. I actually checked that today. Don't, any, I, sometimes I forget to check stuff? it. Yeah, anytime you want to send us something long form that doesn't really uh, make for a Facebook comment or a tweet, you know, 280 characters or less. Uh, we got Michigan State played a couple games. Michigan played a couple games. They're going to be playing each other very soon. And what did the fabulous five fingers say to the face joe (laughs) (laughs) all right all that more next We are nine episodes into this third season of the Paul Bunyan podcast now, and in these nine episodes, we've mainly been discussing basketball, and I feel like with this Michigan State team, I felt just about every possible emotion, and I'm kind of at the point where I just want to see how it ends without actually having to watch. Like, if I could just fast forward to the end of the season, see see how it plays out, just what's the record, and then I can go back and watch the games. Cause boy, it's it's been a chore to keep up with this team the last few weeks. The old Madden sim to the end. Yeah, you know the old simulate all the way to the end. <laughs> we would have done each other ourselves some favors. We would have actually recorded during football rather than basketball. Because all right, because football got better each week. Yeah, I mean our teams both had really good years. You know, a lot of things they could hang their hats on. Whereas uh, <laughs> basketball, not as much. Not that they've. Uh, at this point, it looks like they both make the tournament and everything, but it's yeah. uh, you know it's been a bumpy road at least at times. I will be honest; I have my doubts about Michigan State being that safe in the tournament, and I know they they have opportunities to get more good wins, and they have good wins. UConn uh, on a neutral court at Wisconsin; those are very good wins, but they haven't won a good game in a while. Like I don't know if Michigan is considered a quad one win at the time. Um, they Michigan- were they were at home. So maybe and it's like not. a top thirty team at home. I don't know. I know. Yeah. I know Michigan beating Rutgers was a quad two win because Rutgers was in Chrysler. Yeah. So, but that was really like the last good win because other than that, I think they've only beaten Maryland and Indiana. And as far as I know, Indiana at at the Breslin is not a quad one win. Um, I mean, look, they just they got off to really bad starts against Illinois and Iowa and. I didn't think they were going to beat both of them, but I thought there was a good chance they might get one game, but they really weren't competitive for three halves of basketball. The only one they were competitive for was the second half against Illinois. And even that one, like really it was just a fourth quarter push, Tyson Walker going crazy. They ended up losing by five. It, it 
that's one of those games that's really not as close as it looks. No, they were looking uh, – it, it was looking like it could be a blowout until Tyson Walker just suddenly started chucking it up and yep. making some big ones. And then guess who did not show up in Iowa City? That version of Tyson Walker. Yeah. So the inconsistencies are well documented. Um, it just looks like a group that is snowballing out of control, and they all know it, and nobody knows how to stop it. Michigan State's actually lower on the net than Michigan now. I believe it. Yeah, I mean, Michigan, Michigan State's a thirty, a thirty-six. Michigan's thirty-three. All, all things considered, like Michigan lately has been picking up decent wins, like at Iowa, who just kicked Michigan State's ass. Yeah, and um, I, I was Purdue looking, at home. They blew them out. So. Michigan State for the most part. I know you have that win uh, against Indiana, but I was looking since they blew out Michigan. It's been a struggle. Yeah, yeah, it hasn't been good because. What did they win by two against Maryland? Two, yeah, last second bucket by Malik Hall. Oh, I re- once you said that, I actually remember. And even the game. Indiana game was tight for most of the game. Michigan State ended up running away with it. Who was Wisconsin? Uh, got a couple blowout losses in there too, like twenty points to Rutgers. Yeah, whatever it was, twenty six to Iowa. Like, it's just rough. Was Wisconsin without Johnny Davis when they beat them? No, they were without Tyler Wall. Oh, okay, that's. I mean, Tyler Wall's good. Okay. Right. But I, I mean, remember, he's, yeah. Well, Johnny he's Davis. not like one of the, their top two players, like yeah. Davison and Davis. Davison. <laughs> uh, I, I, I am much more negative on Michigan State than the last time we recorded. I kind of yeah. thought that might have just been a I mean, slump I'm, that every team goes through, but it seems like it's actually like a pattern now. Yeah. No, and I'm, I know the rhetoric of like, oh, well, every Izzo team goes through this stretch. That's Every Izzo team goes through like a three-game slump where maybe you lose two games and sneak by with a win or you lose three games. This is going on six games now, if I'm not mistaken. Let me do the math real quick. But I would say one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. I'd say seven games. Yeah, well, I mean, well, even, I, I don't know if I count Illinois as a bad game. Never mind. I'd say six. The lost. Oh, Illinois. wait, wait, eight. I would say eight. No, six. Sorry, sorry, sorry. <laughs> well, I mean, really, since the, the first Michigan game got postponed, it was like needed a last second bucket to beat Minnesota, lose to Northwestern. Then you bounce back with a really nice win at Wisconsin, lose to a shorthanded Illinois team. Then you got two straight wins, you know, blowout win over Michigan. Last second win over Maryland, but then blowout loss to Rutgers. Game against Wisconsin where you come out flat. Finally show some toughness against Indiana, but you respond to that game by blowing a lead against a bad Penn State team. And then again, you just don't show up out of the gate against Iowa and Illinois, two teams that you should at least compete with. The scrolling on my page, I'm sorry. Hearing, no, me, okay. hearing me shout numbers doesn't make for a good podcast. But I'd <laughs> say seven games. I'd say since the Michigan game. Um yeah, that's fair. Uh, and uh, Indiana may, might be the exception that proves the rule. Uh, yeah, the exception that proves the rule. Because did they play well in any of these other games? I know Illinois wasn't as close as it looked. Plus, Michigan State was at home. Uh, yeah, I some mean, of these weren't close. They but, were up 15 in the second half against Maryland and then choked away a lead. They were up 14 in the second half at Penn State and then – Oh, yeah. They were down two with like 40 seconds to go, and they let a shot clock violation happen because nobody wanted to shoot the ball. 
Penn State's not very good, but they play you tough. They, yeah. Them and Northwestern, if you lose to them, it kind of like uh, you have to call in to question the toughness. It's kind of like Nebraska football where they are going to make mistakes, but they do some things very well. And if you're a good team, you'll beat them. And if you're not a good team, you'll be one of the three teams that loses to them. Yeah. And that's what, how I view Penn State and Northwestern basketball. Because both of those teams, especially Northwestern, has taken the top of the league, all of them down to the wire. Yeah. But, uh, you know, how different does Michigan State look if they beat Penn State and Northwestern this year? I'm not saying they win I mean, the conference, yeah. but... I mean, then they're at 20 wins right now. Yes. And only seven losses. Like, you feel a little bit better because then you don't have any bad losses. Those are both bad losses. You're not tied with Iowa and Michigan in the standings. Yeah. You know? And then, yeah, against against Illinois, they let two of Illinois starters go for 20-plus. Like, Grandison had 24. Coburn had 27. I mean, you counter that with... Michigan State's starter starters, you know, Hogard had 15, Hauser had 11, but other than that, you know, Walker had a nice game off the bench, scoring 26. But same thing against Iowa. I think I think Keegan Murray alone outscored Michigan State starters. Like Keegan Murray had where to go? Keegan Murray had 28. Oh wow! And Michigan State starters had real quick 10, 19 points, wow. including a donut. From your senior captain Gabe Brown, what what has happened to him? It feels like that it coincided with his slump, Michigan. Yeah, State I wish slump. I knew. Um, I wish I knew because he's not playing as many minutes as Christie is. Like Christie is breaking down because he's guarding the team's best, the opponent's best defender. He's a freshman and he's playing thirty to thirty-five minutes a game. Gabe Brown's not playing that much. His mm. confidence is shot. And I saw a tweet. I think it was from Kyle Austin at M Live that said. Gabe Brown actually went to his teammates after the Iowa game saying like he needs to get his confidence back and he's looking for help. Um, but it's not like anybody aside from Christie is playing that many minutes every game because the point guards split time and it's the point guards aren't the issue. Like I think Hogard is the leader in the big 10 or he's number two in assists per game and Walker has his moments. It, it might be in Michigan state's best interest to just, have their primary lineup be those two on the floor at the same time. Now that you could shoot yourself in the foot with like foul trouble or injury. If one of them gets hurt and or in foul trouble, or if AJ Hogard claps at somebody and gets a technical foul. Um, but that, that might be your best option to have them both out there. Cause they're really the only two ball handlers on the team who are reliable. I always throw Aikens in there for some spot minutes. If that happens. Yeah. Which it seems like they're pretty set with him at the shooting guard, which I think I think he could be a good combo guard, kind of like a shooting guard who handles it. Sometimes you have to find a minute though if you're playing the two uh, starting. Yeah, if you're playing Hogard and uh, uh, and I'm not saying like they're always on the floor at the same time. Like at this point, I wouldn't change the starting lineup too much. I might take Gabe Brown out and let him come into the game where the game has been starting. So maybe. Maybe start Aikens over Brown. So say Hogard, Aikens, Christie, Hauser, and Bingham are your starters. And then you can still bring Hall, Walker, and Brown off the bench and Marble. Uh, Marble has had his moments. Um, it, it's it's hard to get a read on Marcus Bingham because at times he has the effort. But 
to open the game against the Iowa, I thought he was just straight out lazy. He's he's like someone that's never going to be consistent. He's yeah. a senior now, isn't he? Yeah, I I think he might be back for a COVID year next year, which I would take him just based off his length and his experience alone. And he honestly, like, he's one of the better shooters on the team right now, <laughs> <laughs> so, which is just depressing. Um, I don't know if I would take Gabe Brown or Joey Hauser back for their extra season. Um, I I think Michigan State should be hitting the transfer portal for somebody. Yeah. I, I. I feel you on that. Kind of has have similar feelings. It's also weird uh, this segment that we have two games to talk about, whereas <laughs> last time, last time we, we were talking about yeah, four. we had four <laughs> games to try to fit in. Um, yeah, I mean, it gives I was, us more time to look ahead because we have a third segment where we're talking about the two of them too. Yeah. So by by the next time we record, Michigan State will have closed out their regular season. So I'm just gonna do a quick scan of their last four games, which. Coming up, they got Purdue at home on Saturday. I, I don't think they beat Purdue. I know Purdue can sometimes crap the bed, and they don't really play defense. But Michigan State doesn't really play offense, so that kind of offsets that. Oh. And then it's it's at Michigan, at Ohio State, and Maryland in a five-day stretch. So They'll beat Maryland. Maybe. They're at home, and Maryland is, what, the third worst Big Ten team? Yeah, I'm not I'm – not, looking at any game and leaning w right now just i i need to see them show up for a game like they don't even need to beat purdue for me to feel better about the team just come out of the gate with some passion and some fire because illinois and iowa they came out flat they scored 24 points in the first half against penn state it's something's broken where this team just does not get up to play and you you, they're not talented enough to afford to get off to bad. You don't want to lose to Maryland on Senior Day. No, you don't. I'm just, I'm not saying they will, but I'm not yeah, comfortable. I'm just saying. I'm not comfortable saying I expect a win. I remember last right episode, I didn't say it would happen or that I thought it would, but I was like, it's conceivable they could get hot and finish uh, winning all their games. Uh, and <laughs> yeah, um, they after Michigan beat Iowa. I kind of felt vindicated. Okay, Mich- Iowa is overrated. Uh, Iowa beating Michigan State propelled them into the top 25. Yeah. I am very mad about that. I think Iowa might have won a game in between Michigan and Michigan State too. But I think there is an issue of, of Michigan State starting out with Joey Hauser defending Keegan Murray. like The, yeah. the leading scorer in the Big Ten being defended by – like Joey Hauser does some things defensively nice, but I wouldn't qualify him as a good defender. Twitter was not happy that Hauser was getting as many minutes against Iowa. Yeah, I I, I, I do I I believe Malik Hall ended up getting significantly more minutes than Hauser in that game. But it was a matchup issue. It wasn't a Joey Hauser issue. Right, there are matchups that just don't work. Like yeah, and I think sometimes uh, teams and coaches are like. Well, you know, this we're gonna do what works regardless of the matchup, and sometimes it doesn't work out well. Yeah. Um, so Purdue's coming to town, you know. Top five just, team. Just start the game well. Like just make I haven't watched the second half the last two weeks or the last two games. And that part of it was like I had to get to work up for one of them, but it takes a lot for me to not watch the second half of a Michigan State basketball game. But 
that's where I'm at with this team. It's not worth my time to watch. If if that's if that's the product that's going to be out there, who who in their right mind? Granted, sports fans were not always in our right mind, but who just watches all of that? You know, two months ago, I mean, I felt the same way. It's kind of weird how it's kind of switched. Yeah, I mean, I was telling you, I'm like. I, what game was it? There was a Michigan game where I told you. I think it was Central Florida. Yeah, I told you. It was close at halftime. I think Michigan was winning. Michigan was leading, yeah. And I told you before it happened that I knew they were gonna, they're going to cough this up. I just had a feeling. That game was happening at the same time as the Peach Bowl. And while Mich- while Central Florida was kind of claiming that that game, Michigan State was struggling against Pitt. And that halftime of the Peach Bowl, I was like, I need to pick me up. And I switched over to that Michigan Central Florida game. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I remember you telling me that. Yeah, I mean, and part of it too was, you know, I just, I had experienced it so much. It was, it just felt like it, it, you're going to keep, think it's going to keep happening until it stops. Yeah. Um, uh, Matt Painter, um, ugly person. He is. Yeah. I, I'm not talking about like personality. I'm talking about like he's an ugly guy. There are just certain people that are not attractive <laughs> at all. And Purdue usually hires them as uh, basketball coaches. <laughs> what are you talking about? Gene Cady was very handsome. <laughs> that comb hole over, man. <laughs> um, but I I, I I like Purdue in that game. Yeah, Purdue, they've they've got the talent and the depth. I mean, down low, they've got Travion Williams and Zach Eady. I mean, who on, who on Michigan State's team is going to stop either of them? And if Michigan State does beat Purdue... Uh, I think they're due for a come down game against Michigan. So that would actually play into my hands. <laughs> I do right. have that up down theory. If Michigan State looks bad on Saturday, I might not feel it as much because it's like a thing going back a month. But yeah. Like, uh, it's I mean, a, that would be their fourth straight loss. But it's almost like most years I'd be afraid they'd be due after that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the game at, Mich- at at Chrysler is March 1st, and, you know, that is, <laughs> that is when things tend to turn around. But, I mean, Michigan's kind of had that luck the last several years, yeah. too. It's just gotten to the point um, to close out the season. I would just – I would be happy if they just beat Michigan and Maryland. Like, if you get the win in Ann Arbor, then, you know – you. Not every Michigan State team goes into Ann Arbor and wins. Like even, even when Michigan State is a better team than Michigan, there have been years where Michigan State goes in and just does not have a good day at Chrysler. So, if Michigan State goes to Chrysler and wins, I'll be extremely happy. And then if they close out, not crapping the bed on Senior Day against Maryland, I'll be happy with that. Like so, for me, like honestly, best case scenario, I'm looking at two and two, and though at Michigan, I think would be a quad one win. And then I I don't know how it shakes out in the Big Ten tournament standings, but I'm I'm pretty sure Michigan State will be playing on Thursday for their first game. I think because only the top four teams get that double bye. Oh yeah, and uh, I don't think Michigan or Michigan State's gonna. Yeah, Rutgers would I, have to crap the bed. I think I think like or Ohio Illinois, State. Purdue, sorry. Wisconsin, and Ohio State are at least those top three: Purdue, Wisconsin, and Illinois are pretty clear cut above everybody else. They're pretty safe to be a good bet to be playing on Friday automatically. Feels like Purdue, Wisconsin, Illinois, and Ohio State are like tier one. And then you have Rutgers, Iowa, Michigan, Michigan State, all with seven losses. Three of them have nine wins. Rutgers has played an extra game, so they're a half game ahead. And they feel like they're like a tier. And then Indiana is like doing what they did last year, where they're just like, (laughs) but yeah. Yeah. um, Like, I. 
it was actually you said you you don't think they're a lock to make the tournament. Uh, I don't. I mean, th- there was a discussion the other day, and by that I mean like you know if they lose three out of the four games and then lose their first Big Ten tournament game, I'm not going to be super comfortable on Selection Sunday. If they lost all five, their last four and their first uh, yeah tournament game, I I see them in the playing game. I feel like that's their basement right yeah. now, and maybe it would be slightly unfair, but I feel like the committee does take momentum yeah as a thing so uh they're not gonna um you know if you're the hottest team for the last two weeks they're not gonna give you a one seed but they might bump you up a seed right like i know Rutgers just lost to michigan which we'll get to but you know, yeah i could see them giving Rutgers a little bit of a bump just based on who Rutgers has beaten in the last month yeah yeah and uh we'll get into that too and then Rutgers is weird too because they probably have more bad wins combined than Michigan Michigan State but it's kind of balanced out that they at least uh, the Michigan they have a better quad one record yeah they kind of caught five they they've Michigan has done well lately Rutgers has like taken it to a step further um, um but yeah I'm, I might even advocate at this point like I'm advocating for Aikens to get more time for honestly, the two football players I wouldn't mind seeing more of, like Malik Carr and Keon Coleman. I, Keon Coleman got first half minutes against Iowa on Tuesday. <laughs> that's that's crazy. Like he's he's not Matt Trannon. Like I mean, he's he's a pretty good basketball player, but he's not like. Didn't I mean, he score a touchdown against Ohio State in football? He did. Yeah. Um. So I I would honestly advocate for seeing more Keon Coleman if. If Bingham and Carr are having, or if Bingham and Marble are having their foul issues or like minute issues, like I don't, I don't trust Mati Sissoko. He's not really someone I want to see in the program next year. I would advocate to see Mark, uh, Malik Carr uh, get some more minutes there, honestly. Um, but that's really all I have to say on Michigan State. We're going to get more in depth on the rivalry game coming up on Tuesday night. But on the very next segment, we will be talking about. A very eventful couple of days for Michigan basketball. Yep. American folklore tells the story of Paul Bunyan, a lumberjack of enormous size and strength, who along with his blue ox babe, carved the American countryside, creating many of its landscapes and natural wonders. The major logging state of Michigan has its own battle of men of enormous size and strength as the Michigan Wolverines and Michigan State Spartans square off in an annual showdown on the college football gridiron. They play for the Paul Bunyan Trophy, a fitting prize for this historic Big Ten showdown. So despite the interesting season Michigan basketball is having, somehow they managed to stay out of the headlines the last few days. Yeah. You haven't heard anything about them. No talking heads. No, like... I don't think we really even need to talk about the Wisconsin game. I don't think anything really happens. <laughs> but anyway, we'll talk. Uh, I'm going to try to go through. Since we have a lot to talk about, I'm going to kind of do surface level analysis. Um, you probably have seen the games anyway, but I kind of want to hit on everything. Yeah. And then we still got the Michigan State topic next. So try not to make this episode too long. Um, but as you saw, the first game, the, the first half was tight. It was back and forth. For Michigan being in the Troll Center, I was happy. It was like, oh, if they can just hit any kind of threes, <laughs> it would be nice. And we talked about this last week where I really feel like uh, the coaching staff is drawing up really nice plays, but Michigan's not always hitting their shots. 
particularly from Beyond the Arc. Um, yeah. I wouldn't say their inside game is really that bad. Uh, it's actually good with Dickinson and Diabate. Uh, Diabate's had his moments too. Yeah. The Wisconsin game was kind of rough for him, but yeah. he was coming off of a 28-point game at Iowa. I was hoping for more scoring from him. Um, but Michigan even started the first half, like extending their lead. And then once Michigan or once Wisconsin took a timeout, it was all Wisconsin from there. And that, that was the last time out they took, right? <laughs> it took me a minute. <laughs> uh, but before we get to the dreadful second half, I want to say at first I found the game funny. Um, Chris Vogt tried to dunk. It did not go well for him. <laughs> I don't know how much of the game you watched, Joe, but if, he, if I you I think did, I remember that, yeah. Yeah, and I'm pretty sure that's how you say his name. I Googled it. I think it's like either Vote or Voight. It depends who's broadcasting the game. Okay. Uh, uh, Google told me it's pronounced Vote. Okay. Uh, Davison went at Diabate. It did not go well for him. Um, that guy? No. And uh, uh, Davison should be happy that uh, – <laughs> The kerfuffle, I guess you could say, at the end of the game happened because it took uh, uh, attention away from him and some of his elbows and nut shots. Yeah, I think um, he was very smart, or at least calculated, to not be involved in that scuffle at the at the end of the he game. He was just trying to sing varsity. He was, which is <laughs> kind of weird. Um, he seems like one of those scum- try-hard yeah, scumbags. <laughs> scumbag goof. <laughs> um but it was a has, it, a has a hard on for his own school. It's weird. <laughs> uh, yeah, I like the schematics. I like the game plan for the most part, but not hitting opening shots and not shooting well from three. Um, and I, I'll get to the Rutgers game a little bit later, but that was actually the only thing I have an issue with from the Rutgers game was Michigan still wasn't shooting the best uh, from three. Actually, their percentage was probably up, but the issue uh, is – open threes, and I actually have some numbers for the Rutgers games. Michigan actually shoots better from three contested, <laughs> particularly um, uh, catch and shoot. So you're telling me the best defensive strategy is to not guard the three-point line against Michigan. I was actually thinking about that <laughs> when I was looking at that numbers. The first thing that popped into my head was the fact that Izzo likes to go one-on-one, man-to-man. Yeah, It might actually be better just to – a freaking send everybody to the paint. Just form a <laughs> form a freaking wall around. It was kind of like a people were joking that they should just uh, have everyone at the line of scrimmage <laughs> and force uh, uh, Michigan to pass. Right. <laughs> of course, things went different anyway. Uh, but uh, uh, at one point, Michigan against Wisconsin missed three open. I, th- I think they were all open, but they missed three. Yeah, they missed three open threes in one possession. None yes. fell. <laughs> yeah. um, I mean, they finished uh, four out of 25 from three. Once uh, Wisconsin built the lead, and I saw this over and over, Michigan just shoots 30 to 33%. If they just shoot mediocre, the game's either tied or they have a slight lead or they're only down by two. I think if they shoot 30% at 32% at the end of the game, I think they lose to Wisconsin by two. Yeah. It, and it was just like that. It was like, if they just hit a few, this game's close. Right, they're in the game. Yep. Oh, and uh, and then it makes sense to press. At the oh, end of the game. and here it is. I, I wrote it down right here. Uh, Michigan actually shoots better from three off catch-and-shoot threes than just wide-open threes. Even with a defender, it's weird. That is weird. Uh, once, uh, yep, I just said that. <laughs> um, 
Not sure why Wisconsin was suddenly concerned about the full, full court press like late in the game. Like people talk, you know, and I do think Howard overreacted to the timeout. Yeah. But Michigan was running that the last two minutes. The game was so far out of hand that I think they were down about 12 with 15 seconds left. I don't understand why if Wisconsin wanted to get their seniors and their deep bench out there, why you care. I, it wouldn't. It would right. make sense to me if Michigan had cut it to like five, because then there's like if everything goes right, Michigan could tie yeah. and win. Um, I took it as like, so it's, it's my understanding that, like, so the the ball was called dead, you know, but Wisconsin only had four seconds left to get the ball across the timeline. And the referee notified, uh, notified short person, Greg guard <laughs> that if, if they call a timeout, then that clock resets and they'll have the full 10 to try to get it across. Ah, that's, okay. that's what I heard. And that was guards explanation in his post game conf- well, conference. I don't think that's what he said to the Michigan coaching staff that caused the falafel. Um, <laughs> He said that's what he was trying to explain, but you know who knows if that's if that's correct. Um, I, let's see what else I have. Okay, yeah, uh, he's not the one that really escalated. I don't think Juwan Howard wanted to have that conversation there. So when guard consistently yeah. like grabbed him, it would have it, it would have been best if they both just walked past. But that from the audio of it, it sounds like you can hear. Juwan Howard say, I'm going to remember that. Yeah. And then guard is like, well, hey, now, wait a second, fellow. Well, guard said something before that, too. Yeah. I don't think it was necessarily bad. Um, I actually saw someone, because people were trying to see if there was bad blood before this, and there's never been, if you look, at least from the handshake. I feel like line. everybody's got a little bit of bad blood with Wisconsin basketball. I, I think it might have been more on It'd be there. weird if you didn't. I don't know if Michigan did. I mean, usually people are on their best behavior in that line, so maybe that's not the best. I do know Michigan had won six of eight against Wisconsin, so there might have been more on their end. Yeah. Um, uh, I feel like some – with the way Michigan ran through the Big Ten last year, especially in, like, January and February, where they were just blowing good teams out for a while, like, there might be, like (laughs) – uh, some chips on some shoulders, right. but the maybe, Wisconsin, maybe Greg Gard remembered that. <laughs> I think it's his assistants more because you had the socket guy, <laughs> who, by the way, I tried to figure out which assistant that was. I no articles name him, even <laughs> Wisconsin ones, because I wanted to be able to assign names to who he was, did he was what. just some random guy. <laughs> uh, Kravenhoff, uh flew in there looking for trouble, and he yeah. was looking to escalate things and. If you Google him, which I did because I wanted to be able to say who's who, um, you can still find old message board posts uh, when he was a player. And opposing teams did not like him. I think I found something on the Red Cedar message board not liking him. Mm-hmm. Uh, I found something on Minnesota's, and I found something on one of Michigan's uh, message boards. Uh, so basically he was a white guy who played for, for Wisconsin. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Wisconsin assistant coach Chambliss tackled T. Will. Um, and then uh, it didn't really make me mad, but Wisconsin didn't really do anything disciplinary. Yeah, which I thought was weird. I, I thought guard could have faced some sort of discipline aside from the the fine that the Big Ten handed down that the Wisconsin AD ended up paying anyways. Yeah, it looks like Kravenhoff was at Wisconsin the same years that Draymond was at Michigan State. Yep, yep, right around there. I think he might be a year older, but. 
it was just about. Yeah. According to Wikipedia, it's I mean that might be right. I was trying to. I was just trying to gauge from. Or maybe number. that's maybe that's his NBA playing career. I'll look further into it. But I, I didn't pay too much close attention. I was just from the timestamps on the message board post. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, what? Okay, no, he he was there. 2005 to 2009, so same years as like Travis Walton and Goran Sutan. I was gonna say I thought he was a little bit older than Draymond. Yeah, off the top of my no, head, I think 2009 to 2012 was his professional playing career. But, um, uh, but yeah, I mean, and then the AD was basically acting like a guards lawyer in the press conference. <laughs> uh, I wish uh, Howard would have uh apologized right away in the press conference, but it didn't really matter to me as long as he did apologize. I once I saw what Wisconsin did, where it was like Greg Gard kind of answered the questions by himself. I'm like, uh, I I know like from a PR perspective that might be better, yeah. But to me, that just I would rather have a coach say how he feels, even if he's still pissed. Um, yeah. I did not want Howard to come back until he apologized, though. And it wasn't that I was mad. It's just that like. If you have that position, you need to act like the position. Yeah. My my takes on the situation are probably not much different than anybody else you'd hear. Um, I think Howard should have brought up in his press conference that it looked like Kravenhoft was shoving Michigan players. Like, you, you bring that up, and then people are a little bit more sympathetic. Because, like, everybody saw it happen, but... Howard didn't mention that in his post game. I don't know conference. if everyone did. I think people who really follow it hard do. Right, right. That's, when you that's watch the first everyone. time, your eyes are on Howard and Guard. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but that's the guy who he, who he slapped. Yeah, yeah. And it was also weird because it's kind of hard to tell what Howard was really trying to do because as he's doing it, he's getting shoved. I do think that's who he was going after. Yeah. But at first, I, I thought he was going after Guard and got pushed like real time got pushed into Kravenhoff because at that point there were so many pushing and grabbing and people trying to split it up, people trying to escalate it. Ultimately, like as soon as people come to like separate you, if you just like walk away, like we're not talking about this aside from, Oh, there was a little bit of a scuffle at the handshake line, but we're not talking about suspension. Well, if Howard doesn't lay his hands on someone else, I think Wisconsin really looks bad because their assistants were acting like players. They were saying, you know, nasty things doing the DX crotch chops, suck Mm -hmm. it. You know, I, and that happened after the, after the scuffle, right? Like he kind of turned around. It's like post- yeah, like right after. Yeah. And, and, so I mean, it's not. A, and it's, it's all not the a same classy move either way. Well, they were <laughs> the assistants were doing it during. They were escalating, you yeah. know. But they didn't do. They weren't laying their hands on people the same way. They might have been hugging or shoving. Um, but uh, <laughs> um, when I rewatched it and was reading recaps from people who had other vantage points, I was like kind of surprised. And like I said, if Howard doesn't lay his hand on another person like that it's not as big of a story but the story becomes what wisconsin did yeah Um, and obviously just like at at any point if either of the coaches do one thing differently we're not talking about this right but Uh, that's that's just what it escalated to like when 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 howard like took a second before going in the handshake line i think if you're um great guard you don't engage because yeah when sometimes when someone is mad at you, you let them kind of blow off steam and yeah. then you try to make amends. 
I'm of the mindset it's pretty silly to get that upset over the timeout. Um, and then to say, like, I'm going to remember that, like, that's silly to me, but it's also naive and just dumb on Greg Gard's part. It wasn't like, that. It was to, to, like, then kind of, like, stop him and try to explain it. Like, and as you, just just let him go. And as you can imagine playing Wisconsin, it wasn't just that. Yeah. It was Brad Davidson hitting guys in the nuts, elbowing. Oh, yeah, for sure. You know, it, it wasn't just a timeout. You know, that's the way Wisconsin plays. And they tend to get calls in the Troll Center. Um, and like I said, while I do believe acting blameless after the Big Ten, find your coach the maximum amount, allowable amount. <laughs> it shouldn't be standard disciplinary, uh, disciplinary process. Uh, uh, yeah, there should have been more than – than what there was on Wisconsin. So. It doesn't make me mad, though. I mean, that's just – it was like, okay, that's how Wisconsin does things. Yeah. Um, as Dick Stauskas on Twitter said, I thought this summed up perfectly, and I want to give him credit. Anytime there's a suspension of any kind in any sport, there's a thousand posts like, wow, I can't believe X – excuse me, X got Y for Z, but, but A only got B for C. And it's always 100% inscrutable, apples to oranges nonsense, and don't make any real point. And I think that's the best way to sum it up. That's why I didn't allow myself to get mad. Uh, there was yeah. also, like, fatigue by that point. I think the Big Ten and Michigan and Wisconsin should have had this all, like, figured out Monday morning anyway. Yeah. So you can make a – you're not making a one-day story and do a two-day story. So if anybody doesn't know, uh, Jawan Howard is suspended for the rest of the regular season. Five-game suspension, one of those games has been played. Yep. If so, anybody listening to this podcast didn't know that. <laughs> He'll be back for the Big Ten tournament. And, then, I mean, right now it looks like Michigan will probably make the tournament. So, he'll um, be back for that, too. So, Rutgers was up next. Um, many Michigan players had a great game against Rutgers, and they were playing above their boxing weight, and it really propelled Michigan. Uh, over the five games, five games coming into the game, the Rutgers – was the fourth most efficient offense in that time. And they went four and one in, in, in this schedule. They beat Michigan State, they beat Ohio State, they beat Wisconsin, they beat Illinois, and then they lost to Purdue. That is a hell of a schedule to go against. And to, yeah, to come out with one loss out of that. Yeah, situation. and going into that, all those teams were ranked when they played them. Those were the top five teams in the Big yeah. Ten going into that. You know, Michigan State has since hit a skid. But, um, I mean, in some ways, that loss to Rutgers kind of, like, started that. I mean, I I said after the Michigan game, but you could say, like, they were okay until that Rutgers loss. Yeah, they've been in a funk since. And the the Rutgers game at Chrysler was kind of the inverse of the Wisconsin game because Michigan and Wisconsin were tied at halftime, right? Or it was, like, a two-point game at halftime. Michigan Mm -hmm. and Rutgers were tied at halftime, and it was pretty close for a – of this opening portion of the second half, but Michigan started hitting threes, particularly Caleb Houston. And it didn't turn out into, it didn't turn into, you know, like a 15 point win like Wisconsin did, but you know, it was a convincing win for Michigan. Were, were they tied at halftime? I was thinking Michigan might've had a slight lead, um, but it was definitely close at halftime. Yeah, or it might've, I'll find it. I mean, sometimes I don't. Not, not yeah, so Michigan really had a two-point lead at halftime. Okay, which in, in in Big Ten basketball, that's basically tied. Yeah, it was definitely close, and uh, it kind of was weird because uh, it felt like if Michigan was shooting like just a little bit better, they could have had like a six to eight-point lead. Um, but even though Michigan 
led the whole way except for the 20 seconds they were down 2 nothing. It felt like Rutgers finished the half slightly stronger, and they could have tied it or took the lead. Yeah. So it was kind of like, eh, you don't really know how the second half's going to go. On on paper, sorry to, to interject real quick, I thought Michigan could have been up by more at halftime. Like it, If I were a Michigan fan, I might have been concerned just seeing that Mulcahy picked up his second foul pretty early on and had only scored, I think, two points in the first half. Uh, he, he really runs a lot of the show for Rutgers. I know Harper and uh, Omarui and Baker are really like the main guys, but Mulcahy is kind of like sophomore Cassius Winston who kind of like, he, he runs the show or he should be. Shout out to Brandon Johns too with a hustle play that enabled Mulcahy yeah. uh, to get into foul trouble. That was the second foul. And, and then he struggled for the whole night, not Johns, but Mulcahy, who I yeah. will never feel comfortable saying his name. Um, uh, looking at the matchup, too, they were both bubble teams. Uh, Michigan at home, normally you'd expect Michigan to win just based on that. All things equal, the home team should win. But Rutgers has been playing so well that this win actually made me more ecstatic than it normally yeah. would. Uh, Michigan held Rutgers offense that, like I said, had been gangbusters to less than a point possession uh, per possession. Only and, only two made three pointers for Rutgers. Yeah, they they did not shoot three well, and Michigan covered it well. I I like Michigan's defensive plan. I, I was telling you off air, they went from one of the worst defenses I've ever seen Michigan play to now. I would say they're a top thirty defense, at least yeah. the way they've been playing lately. And keep in mind, as hot as Rutgers has been. Michigan in the last 12 games, eight and four, hardest part of their schedule. Yeah. Like if they played like this through their first 14 games, they wouldn't have been anywhere close to seven and seven. Um, real quick, so William Terrence Williams and Musa Diabate were suspended for this game, which Terrence Williams, I don't know what he did wrong. Like, I don't know why he got a suspension at all. It was retaliate retaliating. He was, he was getting pushed. And yeah, shoved. no, that's that was ridiculous. And he started throwing he started throwing punches. Man. Okay, I didn't see that part. Um, but anyways, Johns played 20 minutes. He only had two points, but when the other four starters are all above double figures, you don't worry about that too much. How how do you feel Brandon Johns played? for for that game because it was kind of a, a big opportunity for him i thought he did fine he didn't do anything where i was like oh that was You're bad like, Get him out of there. i didn't watch game film um i didn't really see people that do say too many bad things he did have some nice plays yeah like i said that hustle play he definitely seemed like he brought it you noticed him um i would have told you before the game uh i might have preferred jace howard to have more minutes he only played two yeah um uh, part of me has wants to see Jace Howard more and Terrence Williams and Brandon Johns less anyway. Yeah. Really? Um, even Terrence Williams. Okay. Yeah. Um, I mean, Terrence Williams, I liked him, uh, coming in. Um, I thought he was fine his freshman year. You know, he only played so much. Yeah. Uh, um, but you know, those, those, those bench scoring droughts, he's part of that. He's, he doesn't score a lot. Yeah. It'd be interesting to see like how he performs next year when, there likely isn't Dickinson, and there might not be Diabate. Like, it'd be interesting to see how he performs. Yeah, and he has some freshmen, too, he's going to be fighting for minutes yeah. with. A power forward and a center coming in. Uh, also, uh, Howard seems to like him. Um, otherwise, I'd say there's a chance he might not be here next year. Yeah. Um, so, uh, But the coaching staff seems to like him, so I wouldn't say. Uh, Jones and Houston, uh, probably their best defensive performances of the year. They've had a couple others, but they were really good. 
At one point, there was hook shots within minutes of each other from both Dickinson and Eli, and they both went in, so that was nice. Uh, everyone was on their best behavior in the handshake line. That's good. Uh, do, did you have more about um, the game? I just was looking at the minutes breakdown, and at least according to ESPN, you had three players play either the full game or very, very close to the full game. Like it says, Eli Brooks played the full 40. All 40 minutes, and he had some uh, clutch performances. Yeah. Um, Dickinson with 39 minutes, Houston with 38. Um, Dickinson did a great job of staying out of foul trouble. There was times where you could see he yeah, backed only, off. only three fouls for 39 minutes. That's, that's really good for a bit. There was times you saw him physically back up. Kind of give it like, okay, you beat me to the Rutgers big man, and then the Rutgers big man yeah. would miss a layup. Because he know, <laughs> Dickinson knows you know, there's no Diabate and there's no Williams, so he cannot get into foul trouble. And that, so. that, I mean, especially last year, not as much this year, but especially last year, Dickinson, that was like one of the flaws in this game. Was yeah. He would just do that. But last year, Austin Davis could come in at times. Yeah. Uh, Eli Brooks, you know, played all four minutes. There's times he reminded me of Abdul Rahman with just like the clutch, like when Michigan needed something. Uh, because also up until late in this game, uh, probably until Michigan pulled away, neither team had gone on more than a 6-0 run. Yeah. It was like back and forth. Um, Diavante uh, Jones is the second best player on this team. I really feel that way. Uh, if if Diabate were more consistent, I feel like he – he could be the argument for second best. But, yeah, Devontae Jones has stepped up his consistency a lot. Yep, and uh, I, I I feel like you take away Jones, this team is totally different. You saw what happened when they took away Diabate. Yeah. You know, uh, right now, you know, the other reason to be happy is this is the team you're fighting for on the bubble. Rutgers has the more good wins, but they have losses to Lafayette, Maryland, UMass, DePaul, Minnesota, and Northwestern. Yeah. So while they have more quality wins and also – the net does not like them. They're like 75th. Michigan's that is weird. Th- Michigan's 33. And then I was like 20 or something. It's weird. Uh, I'd rather play Iowa than uh, Rutgers. In the Big Ten tournament? Yeah, yeah. I would. I, I think Rutgers is a better team. Uh, they were just so bad at the beginning of the year, and now they're like a hot team. Yeah. Uh, but Phil Martelli, best winning percentage of any Michigan hoops coach. Good. <laughs> 2-0. <laughs> 2-0. He did one last year, and he did one this year. He coached the game last year? Yep, after Maryland. Howard was, uh, uh, remember, he went across the court. And Wasn't got that in the Big Ten tournament, yep, though? Yep, he missed. Yeah. But they lost the next game to Ohio State. Then when did he coach it? I don't know. This was news to me. <laughs> I didn't know he did. I You remember the Big Ten tournament better than I do. <laughs> I don't. Big Ten tournament. Well, we can talk about this all yeah, Next, Michigan, Michigan State breakdown. Paul Bunyan Podcast is brought to you by Farbar. Visit far-ebar.com to browse all types of products, including sweaters, hats, shirts, and other accessories. That's far-ebar.com. For the third time and possibly final time this year, we are previewing Michigan (laughs) versus Michigan State in basketball. Uh, as far as we know, we, we haven't been checking for updates as often as we have the last two times, but the two teams are scheduled to play March 1st. That is Tuesday night at Chrysler Arena. Uh, both teams, you know, I feel like they're going to be in the tournament at this point. I feel pretty safe 
thinking that, especially if Michigan picks up. I think Michigan needs just two more regular season well, wins. Well, we're on the same page then. I, I think Michigan just needs two more regular season wins and then a win in the Big Ten tournament. Oh, I, I think they only need two, period. Yeah, okay. Oh, yeah. But I uh, depend on who they play in the Big Ten tournament, I'd like them to win, I think. Well, yeah, obviously. If, if they play someone good, especially, like – um, like you wouldn't want them to lose to like Maryland in the right, Big Ten tournament or something right, like that. Exactly. But if they, and I'd have to look at it, but if they got like matched up against Rutgers and lost close, I don't think it would necessarily be like right terrible. Right. So Michigan State, they, they have one game before then Purdue on Saturday. Michigan has Illinois on Sunday. And then the two teams will meet on Tuesday before a gauntlet of playing also on Thursday and Sunday. So both teams, I, at least in my estimation, are playing at home against the two best Big Ten teams. Yeah, you, you Illinois make, and Purdue are, are the top two. I, I think point. you could make an argument for Wisconsin. Um, I was really hoping they'd lose to Minnesota the other night. They won by one. Oof. <laughs> I don't know, something about them just, I don't know. I, I, I fear Illinois and, uh, and Purdue, Purdue more. Yeah. And the fact that Michigan lost to uh, Wisconsin really grinds my gears. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> um. So, you know, I don't, I don't know if there will be any more lineup changes for Michigan State until then, and I believe Diabate will be back for that game, right? He just had a one-game suspension. Yep, and Terrence Williams. T-dubs. So I believe the starting lineup for Michigan State will likely be Hogard, Christy, Brown, Hauser, and Bingham, and Michigan will probably match with Devontae Jones, Brooks, Houston, Diabate, and Dickinson. Yes. So same matchups we saw when the teams met. In late January, aside from Hogard getting the start over Tyson Walker, a uh, little wrinkle to that, Joe. And I didn't mention it in the breakdown, but Caleb Houston logged quite a few minutes at the four against Rutgers. That's interesting. Yeah, I I have to. And he had what twenty one points against Rutgers. Yeah, I think he might have had the game high. He definitely had more than um, uh, Harper Junior. who had eighteen. Yeah, um, that that was something I was keeping an eye on. You earlier this year, I, I might have been off air, asked me if I thought moving Caleb to four would be something Michigan might do. And I did I just didn't think he had the thickness mm-hmm. down there. He definitely has the height. He's six eight, I believe. Uh yeah, in, in today's college basketball, you don't really need it as much. Like he a freshman though, sometimes you want to yeah. freshmen just tend to come in thinner. Like, in college, I thought Miles Bridges was more suited to play the four, which is where he played his freshman year. And then his sophomore year, he played the three. And he, he was good both years. Like, Miles Bridges, uh, from an individual standpoint, was fantastic both years at Michigan State. But I just felt like he played better at the four than the three. And I felt like I was seeing the same type of thing with Caleb Houston. A lot of guys um, – that are college fours become NBA threes anyway. Right, right. So know? sometimes you want to get them playing their NBA position to help them out. Um, and then as well as Diabate has been at times, it might be something interesting that Michigan could do. Um, maybe you play Diabate 20, 25 minutes and you put Caleb at the four about 10 or 15 minutes. And that also allows um, – Eli to maybe uh, play the one at times, and whenever you give Devante, uh, Devante Jones, uh, a breather, yeah, um, it allows you to do a few different things with your lineups. 
I like the idea of just not playing Brandon Johns and Terrence Williams as much. <laughs> That's just me. Um, also, uh, I, not, I'm not totally out on Terrence Williams. I just don't think he totally has it yet. He's out there a lot when Michigan goes through scoring droughts. I'll leave yeah. it at that. So last time these two teams played, a close game turned into a blowout win for Michigan State. It was a game where Hogard was able to get to the basket pretty much at will. And that was where he started not taking every shot near the basket. He actually started getting more teammates involved. It, it was a game, though, where Max Christie's hot shooting kept Michigan State in the game early. And that's what kind of concerns me now is Christie has not been shooting it very well of late. And if if it's another game where everybody around him is not getting off to such a great start and he is relied upon to make shots – I don't have the numbers in front of me, but just eye test alone, he's been making shots at the Breslin Center a lot more than he has on the road. That's funny. I was just going to say Michigan tends to shoot better at home than they do on the road. Crazy how that works out. <laughs> <laughs> uh, two, um, Michigan's totally uh, played around with their D. One of the reasons they were <laughs> – the, their D is everywhere. It's hard to miss. Um, anyway, uh, let's make this a mature podcast again. Um, uh, one of the reasons I think they were doing the full court press against Wisconsin when the game was out of hand is it's been something they've been playing with more. And it was almost like throwing your bench out there to get minutes. I think they just, at times they've been doing the full court press. And also since the Michigan state game, they've done more zone. Um, yeah. So their defense, I, I, I really hope they learn from last time because that, uh, defensive plan was atrocious, uh, bringing the big guys out like that. No. Yeah. One thing I didn't bring up about the Michigan state, Iowa game, probably the lone positive was that Malik Hall had a nice bounce back game after I was disappointed in his showing. What was the game before Illinois? Um, was that the Penn state? Yeah, I think it was a Penn state game. I was disappointed in his showing at the Penn state game. Looked like he wasn't fully healthy against Illinois, but he also like had his stuff rejected a couple times, and it looked like that hurt him mentally. I think he had like four points against Wisconsin, but he rebounded again coming off the bench, but he was Michigan State's leading scorer with 17 at Iowa. So it was nice to see him come back because I do I think he's still the guy that Michigan State can needs to turn to when they when crap starts to hit the fan, you know. Yeah. And he was he, him and Hogard were consistent for pretty much the whole game, the first meeting between Michigan and Michigan State. I like to see what Buffkin does in this game. Yeah. Um, if Michigan's going to get over uh, their depth issues, he needs to play better. Also, if he's playing better, you can move Brooks around a little bit and you can move Caleb to the four. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, like I said, you can kind of shorten your bench a little bit in a way, but really you're just kind of getting a different guy. I like Frankie Collins. He had like one really good sequence against Rutgers. I don't think he's ready yet. Yeah. I'd like now, to now that Devontae Jones has kind of been more stable uh, and he's shown a lot more consistency. Like you said, he is arguably the second best player. Yeah, like, if you're going to give him a breather, I'd rather have Buffkin at the two and Eli push him point rather okay. than having Collins out there. Yeah. Yeah, and, and uh, last last time they played, Buffkin uh, registered nine minutes. He was he made one three pointer, so he had he had three points. Yeah, I mean he's definitely not a guy they could depend on early in the season. But um, I, if you could bring up how many minutes did he have against uh, Rutgers, I think he might have registered like 
11 minutes? Maybe, yeah, it was double more. digits. Yeah, he, he definitely played more in the Rutgers game. Yeah. The last time these two teams played was really the last time I had fun watching basketball <laughs> <laughs> because it was a tense game that turned into a blowout for Michigan State. Like Buffkin had 21 minutes. Sorry to interrupt you. That's okay. 21 minutes against uh, Rutgers. Sorry. Nice. Which off the bench, that's significant. Yep, yep. Uh, but, yeah, last time they played, like like I said, Hogard and Hall were kind of the consistence, and then you had stretches where it's like, all right, Christie's just going to make everything. All right, now Gabe is going to make everything. Now Hauser's going to make everything. And it was, it was just a fun time. But that was the last time I had fun watching this team. That includes the Indiana game because that one was pretty stressful. Why well, didn't they blow Indiana out? Uh, they won by like fifteen, but that one was like so chirpy and, and chippy. Uh, like yeah. it, was, it was kind of it was kind of an angry watch. Yeah, was it at Breslin or at Indiana? It was at Breslin. Oh, okay. I was gonna say if it's at Indiana, you like you you want to make it like no doubt so the refs don't. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I mean, to your point, I think Michigan was starting to show signs that. You know, they could at least be a tourney team by the time uh, Michigan, Michigan State played last. Yeah. I, th- I think I was expecting Michigan State to win a close one. I'm the opposite this time. I think Michigan will win a close one. I expect Michigan to win by six. I expect Michigan to win by 10. Okay. I, I just don't have faith in Michigan State right now. They could show me something against Purdue that changes that. Uh, like, they they just need to show some fire. But, I, I could see them making looking better than they have. Yeah. So but, so coming into the last Michigan State game, Michigan had won three straight after you know they had the COVID pause and then um, a gritty showing against Illinois, though they were shorthanded. Michigan was, and then they had you know the 19 point win versus Maryland, the 18 point win against Indiana, and then the close one against Northwestern that everybody has. And then, so Michigan had won three straight going into that game. So well, they, they were they were turning the tide. Yeah, and that's why I expected like a six point loss versus or whatever I said, versus when they I expected them to get blown out the first yeah. time we previewed this back in the summer. <laughs> was it like late the it summer? Was, it was first week of January. First week of January. Yeah. But we might did we record the podcast in late December maybe. No, it was like the night before the game. Oh, that's right. That oh, we, yeah. we were refreshing. Oh, yeah, I had to wake constantly. Up. Yeah, I woke up on the internet. I put my phone on, and I I got a bunch of angry sports fans. <laughs> in my um, but I I I think if Michigan wins this game, you as a Michigan fan, you feel comfortable about yeah. the tourney bid because you're gonna beat Maryland. I mean, I I have yeah. a hard time seeing them not beating Maryland. If if Michigan State wins this game at Chrysler. And just disregarding whatever happens to Purdue, oh. if, if Michigan State beats Purdue on Saturday at the Breslin Center, everybody's going to be out of their mind happy. But if, if they go in and they, they get the regular season sweep of Michigan, a lot it won't be forgive and forget, but it will cover up a lot of the annoyances that Michigan State fans have had with this team, I yeah. think. Because like, it, it, it means a lot to win both games against your main rival. It does. It does. It would. Uh, but it would change. Uh, I think the mood a little bit. Yeah. What concerns me is is every team that has played Michigan State twice has played much better against Michigan State the second time around. Yeah, that kind of just shows how what the season's been like. Yeah, like Michigan State won at Northwestern. Northwestern came in and beat Michigan State. Michigan State won handily at Minnesota. Minnesota came in and Michigan State needed a, a last second bucket to win. Michigan State blew out Wisconsin at Wisconsin. Came out flat. Wisconsin won handily at the Brez. 
you know, a tight loss at Illinois, blowout loss to Illinois. So it's just been like every time Michigan State's played a team twice so far, they have showed up much better the first time around. And then the second time around, it's like the team, the opponent has been better adjusted to Michigan State. So that's concerning to me as well. Watching, it feels like no matter how good or bad a team is, almost all of them look better now than when the season began. Mm-hmm. Except for Michigan State. It's right. weird. Yeah. I know that for, sounds really mean, time, but for a long time, Michigan State's only two losses were Baylor and Kansas, who were damn good teams. Yeah. Yeah. And it, I, I don't know what it is, but like even like teams like Northwestern and Penn State kind of look better now than they did at the beginning of the year. Yeah. Let alone teams like uh, <laughs> Illinois or Ohio State, you know, yeah. at the top. There were times in late December, early January, I, if you told me to pick the Michigan State Purdue game, I'd say Michigan State by a good ten to fifteen points. Yeah, not now. No, <laughs> now, now you don't even like Michigan State at home against them. I don't. Um, yeah. So yeah, you know there there are just lots of issues with this team, and that got me to thinking. Out of all the past Michigan State players, and I'm going to limit myself to the last ten years just to keep it like because you know obviously I could go with someone else who was pretty significant but if i could add one michigan state player and i'll ask you the same question if i could add one michigan state player from the last 10 years to this roster i know a lot of people would automatically go with cassius winston which i i understand cassius was magical a lot of people would go with aaron henry who had that toughness and leadership about him um i understand that as well there are a lot of quality players to choose from jaron jackson jr comes to mind Xavier Tillman would be my second choice. Uh, But for me, I would go with Denzel Valentine, and I have a few reasons for that. And people will always view Denzel Valentine's career with a little bit of an asterisk because of the way it ended with that shocking loss to Middle Tennessee State when that team looked like they were ready to compete for a championship. But Denzel Valentine, what he brings to the table, or at least what he did his last two years at Michigan State, 2015 and 2016, was versatility you could put him at the one you could put him at the two you could put him at the three you could put him at the four and he would hold his own and really he he could excel at both the one and the four which is pretty incredible when you think about it he him and Cassius Winston are very similar scorers and passers but I give Valentine the edge over Winston when it comes to defense and rebounding I mean Denzel Valentine had multiple triple doubles at Michigan State And he had a a few more games where he was like one rebound away or one assist away from having a triple-double. How would the starting lineup be then if you had Denzel on the team? That's a fair point. So I would go start Hogard at point guard, Christie at the two, Valentine at the three. Whoa, hold on. Let me walk this back real quick. I would go Hogard at the one, Aikens at the two, Christie at the three, Valentine at the four, and Bingham at the five. Interesting, yeah. Um. And you could just plug Valentine wherever is needed. Uh, so, yeah, if, if you limit it to the last 10 years, obviously, like, let's say Draymond Green doesn't make the cut because he, believe it or not, graduated 10 years ago from Michigan State. So let's say he just misses the cut. What year did he graduate? 2012. I mean, he makes the cut. Okay. The, the well, season was still going on at this point. 10 okay, years ago. so, like, Draymond Green is an obvious one, too, because, like Valentine, he has that versatility. People often referred to Valentine during his time at Michigan State as the guard version of Draymond Green, and that's pretty fair. I think Draymond Green is one of the best leaders 
So if, if Draymond's included, then it really comes down to Draymond or Valentine. And honestly, Tillman's in there too, just because of his pick and roll defense. He's someone I considered picking for Michigan State. Yeah, his pick and roll defense, rebounding ability. He also had that leadership in him. Um, and he, he could hit outside shots. It's not like he was a sniper like Bryn Forbes, but he could make outside shots. So there were a lot of people to consider. Like I also thought Bryn Forbes, Jaron Jackson Jr. Can I tell you my pick just in case you're in Michigan State? Sure. Yeah, uh, Gary Harris. Yeah, Gary Harris is one of my favorite all-time Spartans. And, we, and I almost picked Denzel. Like when you yeah. posted that on Twitter before I even read I the rest of I did post this post. on my Twitter account, at Joe is Captain. I was but. like, oh, maybe Denzel. And then I read the rest of your tweet and you picked him, which kind of surprised me. I yeah. actually expected you to pick like Winston or Harris. The only reason I wouldn't go with, say, Gary Harris or Miles Bridges, um, they never really developed into becoming the leaders that I thought they could be. Granted, they only played their first two years at Michigan State. Um, they The talent was there. Uh, they struggled with their own consistency, which, yes, Denzel Valentine did too. And if, if we're taking, like, freshman, sophomore, or early junior season Denzel Valentine, he would just add to this team's turnover problems. But he really reeled that in. By the time, like him and Travis Trice kind of got it together at the same time for Michigan State to make a Final Four run in 2015. But that's who I would go with, and I feel solid picking Denzel Valentine. Gary Harris had like a really good uh, uh, turnover rate, uh, 12.7. Yeah. Despite, excuse me, being a scorer and uh, really going for his own shot. Yeah. I think Miles Bridges and Gary Harris both had that where they could uh, create their own shot and would, yeah. <laughs> which is something you've uh, uh, been annoyed by. That would help by. this team out a lot. They, If you added one of those guys to the 2019 team with Winston in the Final Four, then that team wins a national championship. For Michigan, I was trying to pick a wing, someone who could play the two or three or even the four, and uh, there was about four or five guys I considered – I considered uh, Brodykis, Ignis, Iggy, Iggy Brodykis, Brodykis. I can't say his name. <laughs> he was actually the one when we were talking about this. I was like, I know there was a few I thought about. I considered Duncan Robinson, uh, this team not being able to shoot threes, uh, but his defense was only average by his senior year. Yeah, uh, obviously earlier on it wasn't as good. I really considered Charles Matthews because. He wasn't the greatest three-point shooter. He could hit it. He could hit it better than anyone on this team. Yeah. Awesome defense, though. Uh, um, I considered um, – I, I ended up picking Shonday Brown. Yeah. Uh, it, it was hard. Uh, uh, I really like his defense. I like that he can hit the three. I like his energy. Anything so that Michigan's kind of hodgepodge uh, could be fixed a bit. You could have Eli move to the one whenever you're giving Jones a rest. Jones is the reason I didn't pick a point guard. Yeah. I didn't think they needed it. He's the second best player on this team. Dickinson's the best. You don't really need a center. Um, their bench really creates drought. So let's say I, I almost picked uh, Iggy. I almost picked Duncan. I almost picked Matthews. Oh, I almost picked Rachman. And he was actually my number two. Yeah. Uh, uh, I just, he, 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 he's really good at being clutch. He can stop, uh, 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 the other team making a run real well. So yeah. often the other team would get on a four nothing, six nothing run. Next thing you know, Rockman comes down and scores. He had good defense. He could shoot the three pretty well. And with, then, with this team kind of getting their defense together uh, as the season has come along, I was looking more at the shooting woes. 
so I was looking at, I would have gone with either Duncan Robinson, which as you said, like his defense became average, but his shooting was elite. Yeah. And then, man, do I hate this guy, but I would have gone with Nick Stauskas. It would have gone down to either Stauskas or Robinson. And because I like him more, I give the edge to Duncan Robinson. I almost picked Stauskas. I wasn't as close with Stauskas just because the defense ended up becoming yeah, a Yeah, his defense for me. was pretty bad. Yeah. I mean, it was really before uh, Beeline hired a defensive coordinator. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Dockers. Yeah. Uh, um, and then there was one, Donlin, before that, he was only there one year. And then uh, some for whatever reason, he went. I mean, he's friends with uh, Chris Collins, but he yeah. went to Northwestern. It was kind of weird to go Northwestern for but Michigan. You brought it up. Like, I, I don't view point guard as in, as the main issue for this Michigan State team, which is why I didn't go with, like, Travis Trice or, or um, Cassius Winston. You know, obviously those two are both fantastic players, especially Cassius. He's one of the all-time greats. But I feel like people just forget how consistent Michigan State was the four years that Valentine was there. I mean, his worst regular season team made it to a Final Four and made it to the Big Ten <laughs> Tournament Championship game. Like, they were consistent. Even if he didn't win a regular season Big Ten Championship, all four years they were right in the conversation on the last game of the season. And he played in the Big Ten Championship game his last three years. So, Denzel, I, I give him the edge. I'm Personally, I, I don't – view Draymond Green's time as making the 10-year cut. But if 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 you do include Draymond, then it becomes a different conversation. But, yeah, I would go with Denzel. Yeah. Yeah. I, and just once I thought about it, I'm like, well, 10 years ago, Draymond was still there. So, for yeah. me, he makes the cut. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's close. When you first said that, I didn't even think about it. Yeah. it's. I think it's a fun topic. I, I just kind of tweeted it out from my account. I just – it's kind of blown up. My tweets don't really get that much interaction. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm kind of annoyed by it at this point. Like every time I log in, someone's going to. Don't go it. viral. Never go viral. <laughs> but real quick, listen to this. I don't think I have any controversial tweets in my past. Do you have a SoundCloud to promote? Hey, uh, promote, promote, no. promote this podcast. <laughs> All right, real quick, Joe, right here. Ignas. Brasdakis. Yeah, Brasdakis. Ignas. Brasdakis. I need to listen to this uh, YouTube video more. I never knew how to Ross pronounce Dakis. his first name, so I would just call him Iggy Ignace. or Ignasty because the Nas. Yeah, <laughs> I always I called him funny. Iggy for that reason. I need yeah. to remember that. I'm, I'm, I was sad Ignasty never caught on. I, I brought that up a lot on my Beards for Radio <laughs> podcast, and it just never caught on. How about the Franz and John's connection? They're going to hear <laughs> yeah, the Franz and John's will pump. You up. Yes, exactly. And by the way, I am very impressed because you're a young man that you even get that reference. Honestly, I get it because of the Geico commercials yeah. <laughs> with uh, Aaron Rodgers. I mean, it, it, it predates me. 80s SNL, you know, that was, they weren't the most, uh, uh, it wasn't the most popular show at the time. And um, I, I'm 36, so it was before my time. I'm old <laughs> and it was before my time, so... <laughs> Yeah. Well, that about does it for... Wow, that was such a great preview of the game. <laughs> so you think Michigan by 10? Like what, 70 so to if, 60? if Denzel Valentine's there and uh, who did you go with? Well, if Denzel's there, I might go with Matthews. Okay. I was I was going to go with Chauncey. No, I'll still go with Chauncey Brown. Okay, I feel He'll like Chauncey Brown you can also kind of plug and pop yeah. as needed. Uh, if Denzel and Chauncey are both there, I I give the edge to Michigan State. But since neither of them will be there, and no offense to Chauncey Brown, I just think Denzel is a little bit. I mean, Denzel was a national player of the year. Um, 
Granted that Denzel will not be there, I will say Michigan wins 71-61. to 61. I'm going to go with Trey Burke, and I'm going to move Devontae Jones over to two, and then we can have the National Players of the Year go at each other. No, uh, either way, <laughs> Michigan by six. Okay. Uh, I, I kind of expect State to have stretches where people are like, oh, they might have something, but I just think at the end, Michigan I haven't be- seen that in a while. I saw a playing game Michigan State team beat uh, – Big Ten winning, uh, Big Ten conference winning Michigan team last year. <laughs> right. Uh, a team that, even though I think their hottest point for Michigan last year was like a three week stretch in February, still got yeah. the Elite Eight. In the I'm tournament. just saying, I, I need to see some fire from Michigan State before I can pick them. And uh, I could be remembering and, this backwards, but Michigan State beat Michigan at Breslin. Yeah. And then Michigan won at Chrysler. O- opposite. Michigan won at Chrysler on Thursday. And That's now, what I said, right? No. I said Michigan State won at Breslin. Michigan won at Chrysler. Oh, I thought you meant like. Oh no, I wasn't doing chronologically. No. Anyways, uh, by the next time we record, we will likely be wrapping up the regular season and doing a preview of the Big Ten tournament, which uh, I'm kind of excited for the Big Ten tournament this year. Yep. So our next episode will be like ten days. Yep. Yep. See you then. Thanks for joining the Paul Bunyan podcast.